Are you ready for the out-of-context summary? Okay. Okay. So in this episode, we narrowly avoid getting drugged by Colin Mockery. Jaden's pee-pee takes one for the team. And apparently Shelby likes his eggs lukewarm and undercooked. Oh, gosh. Thank you for coming back from our replay reviews. My name is Leah. And my name is Kathy. We are two friends who are here to replay, review, and analyze your favorite video games. And since Kathy has never seen the games before, it helps me view them through her fresh eyes, almost like I'm discovering them again for the first time. We hope it will be a similar experience for you. Anything that you want to mention before we dive into scene one? I get the egg reference now. <laughs> I, would, I would hope so. <laughs> I'm excited to get to that scene. But we gotta start at the beginning. Are you ready for a scene yes. one? Alright. Mm-hmm. So Ethan arrives at the fourth trial at Brad's apartment. He does not get a warm welcome, as you might expect, considering he was sent there to kill him. Brad knows something's up. He knows. And so he starts shooting Ethan with a shotgun, well, trying to, until he runs out of ammo, at which point he begs with Ethan, showing him a picture of his two little girls. As soon as he opens the door, I'm like, he looks like a clown. And <laughs> cute clown themes and everything's flashback to part one. But he kind of does. You have to admit that when he just first opens the door, very, I think, colorful outfit and everything. <laughs> was he not wearing underwear? Was that, was he just wearing boxers? No, I think he was like wearing like a red robe and, and like a t-shirt and different color pants. I don't know, but he looks Either like way. Yes. There are no clowns named Brad. There could be. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he is <laughs> he is very, very aggressive. And the thing is that he seems like he knows this day's going to come. I don't know what he's done, but he knows that someone's after him. And he sees overly prepared with the gun mm-hmm. and everything. Picture in, in hand. Right. Okay, wait, pause. Okay. Those kids are not real, right? I was thinking that maybe they're decorations or something. Because if it was really his two kids, he would have a photo with him in it with the two kids and say that look at us we're a happy family it could be just a random stock photo of two girls and i'm so glad you agree with me because i fully expected you to fight me and be like there's bunk beds in this room but i don't think they're real i don't know why i just don't think they're real why is there no other photos of him and if you really loved his kids why doesn't he have more photos of him and his kids and he seems to have that shotgun out way too easily which makes me within reach because his kids could have access to it and accidentally hurt themselves or worse agreed so yeah i don't think brad has kids and i think he knows this day is coming what's your reaction to my decision to uh shoot this man square in the head because all ethan had to do was to send a photo of brad dying he could have really told brad what the situation is and had Brad fake his death. Like, he didn't have to kill him. That would be a crazy turn of events. Like, they join forces and try to find mm-hmm. the killer. But do you want me to tell you why I, I shot it? Go ahead. So, you could see me hesitate in my decision on whether or not to, to kill this guy. 
And then I remembered not five seconds ago he was trying to shoot Ethan with a shotgun. (laughs) So there's strike one. Strike two, we know Ethan has to do these trials or risk his son dying. And like we've talked about, this poor kid's skin has to be like sliding off of his body by now. He's been in that water so long. There's just not enough time to risk it. Like you said, he was prepared for this. If it wasn't Ethan, it was going to be someone else. At least Ethan has a reason. We're going to take a step back real quick. His skin sliding off of him. That is so descriptive. That painted a photo in my mind, one that I did not need to see or imagine. (laughs) Because my notes were just saying that, oh, he's probably dying from hypothermia. And you're like, at this point, his skin's probably sliding off of his bones. That is what I said. <laughs> you said what you said. <laughs> That's what I envision is the first step in dying in a puddle of water. Yeah. Ethan throws up next to a dead Brad. And I'm like, Ethan, if you're going to throw up and leave all your DNA and just walk out, even if you do find your kid, he's probably going to live with his mom or probably with CPS and be an orphan. If you end up in jail, because they're going to trace it back to you being the murderer. I think in last episode, didn't he say he was going to turn himself in? He just wanted to find oh, Sean yeah, first. Right. Before, it was just like small things like reckless driving and endangering the public and everything. But now it's like murder. Gosh, he's going to he's lucky if he doesn't get the needle. Ethan only gets two letters for completing this trial. That is wildly it is inappropriate. And it is uncalled for to get <laughs> that few letters. <laughs> I don't know why inappropriate hit me so funny. It is, it is inappropriate to get so few letters after murdering someone. All he got was an H and an O. So inappropriate. <laughs> All right. In scene two, Madison continues her amateur investigation. She is somewhere. Some guy on her phone told her to go here. We don't know who this guy is. His name is Sam. But she's at the homeowner of the building where Ethan cut his finger off. Or a portion of his finger off at. And this guy is a creep. But he also kind of looks like Colin Mockery. Do you know (laughs) who that is? No. Whose line is it anyway? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know. The the tall dude. No. (laughs) The short one. (laughs) Google Colin Mockery. Tell me he's not the same person. Oh, they probably modeled it after him. They look so similar. On one hand, he's like so reluctant to let Madison into his house, but the moment she steps foot, he's like, here, have a drink, and giving her this creepy eyes <laughs> and the my darling. So oh. it's like sounds like darling. Darling. He's he's absolutely related to Eddie Gluskin in some way. And I only get more convinced as the scene goes on. But yeah, as you said, he tries to drug Madison, but she successfully evades that. And then he also tries to pay her to play with his pee-pee, I guess. He asked her how much does she cost. She said no. She questions him a bit under the guise of a drug addict since this guy sells pills. And he soon leaves to go get her prescription. And Madison now snoops around and finds some shady stuff, including, I think it's a business card for somewhere called the Blue Lagoon, and the name Paco is written on the back. 
that's pretty much all of interest, I think. And Dr. Formaldehyde finds her snooping around, knocks her out. And then she soon wakes up in a basement, tied to a medical table, which is just about the worst situation that you could wake up to. Except that it gets worse when she sees the dead guy slumped in the corner. And then the doctor says, Say hello to Matthew. So unnecessary, first of all. But also, why is he so jolly about it? Say hello to Matthew. And he's like, oh, I miss doing surgery. And that's why he has all the surgical gowns. Yeah, like what kind of surgery are we talking about here, sir? Right? Poor Matthew. That's all I can say. But at least he wasn't tied to a table and... Not anymore. ...to multiple pieces. At least he's still in one piece, from what we can tell. So he's preparing his surgical instruments, which consists of a drill. So I don't know what kind of surgeon he was when he was a doctor. I feel like we know why he lost his job. I wouldn't be surprised. Prior to the doorbell ringing, he's the type of doctor who's going to be whistling as he murders his victims. Yeah. Okay, so... She's tied up on the table. And I feel like we needed to take a step back. She's tied up on the table. Screaming, he's ignoring it. Just readying his drill. And then he's about to drill into her somewhere. But the doorbell rings. And he goes up to answer it. It's a door-to-door Bible salesman. (laughs) The Lord provided a way. (laughs) Perfect timing. This gives Madison opportunity to uh, wriggle free. And they fight it out. When he gets back down there. I was pretty bummed that I missed the QTE for the ball kick. I'm sorry. We all wanted it. (laughs) We all needed to see his balls being kicked. It's true. There would be a potential of four manhood attacks in this episode. This is number one. So keep track, everybody. I missed it, though. Well, I think it's smart that she plays dead because it definitely catches him off guard but at the same time his booty grab (laughs) is so unnecessary it's not even a grab so for some reason a grab would be less disgusting than whatever he does he like caresses like he's trying to hug it yeah he it's a it's a no it's a big no big no it's disturbing deeply so and unnecessary At least he gets uh, punished for it. She was just pretending Mm -hmm. she's not actually dead or unconscious, and she uh, drills him through the heart. Can't say he didn't deserve it. You go, girl. Oh, don't. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) Do we need to do a so long for Dr. Formaldehyde, Colin Mockery? Uh, We already know it's he's uh, a so long mother He is, without a doubt. No doubt about it. A so long mother I don't even think we need to discuss Mm -hmm. why. There is not a single redeeming quality other than his resemblance to Colin Mockery. Seriously. Do we also need to do a so long for Brad? It's a good question. I feel like we sort of covered it, but uh, let's make it official. So long, mother Goodbye, Brad. Is that record to death within the first 15 minutes of a gameplay? Or like it may part? be. Have we witnessed any deaths until now? Not firsthand, just uh, mm. the kid that died. That is momentous. Two deaths already in under 15 minutes. Moving right along, Norman arrives at Mad Jack's scrapyard, I guess, to question him about the suspected car of the killer. So as he pulls up to the shop, his thoughts reveal that he's going through some trypto withdrawals. 
He says, Feeling sick, got the sweats, hands are shaking. Hope this works out all right. I wouldn't want to have that thought in my head as I'm walking to question a potential maybe murderer or at least someone who deals in some pretty shady stuff with murderers. You either go in strong or you don't. You don't hesitate and roll the dice and hope for the best. The only thing is time is running out for Sean. He probably doesn't have a choice. It doesn't go great. It could have gone worse, though. So after an unhelpful welcome from Mad Jack, Jaden uses Ari to investigate the shop. The main things we find are blood, a positive, including a trail that goes to the acid bath, which really does not sound good. And I don't understand why Norman does not have more of a reaction to this. It matches the blood type of the victim, which is mentioned in part one at an hour 17. Why did he not say something like, oh, someone might have been tossed in the acid bath? And why isn't he looking for the acid bath to see if there's any more DNA evidence nearby? He just glosses right over it. Oh, there's a blood trail leading to the acid bath. And it matches the blood type of the victim. Ignore. <laughs> but there's more to look at. Size 10 shoe prints. Must be a visitor, Norman says. And then the same brand tire tracks that Norman is looking for. Traces of blue paint and orchid pollen. A size 13 shoes that he says must be Mad Jack's. So what are you thinking so far about this evidence he's collected? We have a bunch of small pieces, but we don't know how they all connect and, and lead to something. Yeah, I think we have a lot of evidence to show that the car was here and that Mad Jack did paint it. But I just want to know what happened in that acid bath. Okay, so we're now at 22 minutes and 37 seconds. Did Mad Jack just teleport behind Jaden? Because last we saw, he was outside in the crane in front of him. And as Jaden walks out of the shop... He's behind him with a gun to his head. How did he get there? Did I miss a door in the back? But also, considering how powerful Ari is, it is kind of useless for telling Jaden that someone has a gun pointed behind him or is ready to attack him. Yeah, I agree. It seems like Ari should have some, with all that we've seen that it's been able to do, potentially creating vodka out of thin air. It seems like there would be a way to sense there's a body approaching you. Organic mass closing in. Or there's a threat behind you. Right. Gun detected. Anyway, he puts a gun on Norman and confesses for some reason that he flipped the car. It sounds like he's planning to kill Jaden, but he falls into Jaden's really bored trap. This triggers a fist fight. Does he punch Norman in the pee pee? I need to show you. I can't tell. We well, need to see it again. I couldn't either, but I had to know. Please go look, everybody. Go look uh, at our video. It's at 2311. He's getting punched in the peen, though, is he not? Yeah. You don't punch someone there unless you're aiming for there. Well, here's the thing, too. It breaks guys' rules. I don't know. We need some male listeners out there. Please let us know. Is there a unwritten bro code that you're not supposed to punch another dude in the balls? I, I mean, I feel like, yeah... I think we are going to put the screenshot on Instagram. It's very incriminating. He 100% gets punched yeah. right right in, in the manhood. And this is number two attack on manhood in this episode. It doesn't stop there. He targets the peen again, <laughs> Kathy. 
at 2320, okay? Keep watching, and I'll pause it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Definitely. This guy does not want Jaden to reproduce. Just call him the nutcracker. <laughs> He's using this big old metal rod to try to crush him. <laughs> that sounds so bad. It's exactly what's happening, though. There's no other way to say it. We mean literally, not figuratively. <laughs> I'm being 100% serious. He does. And this I'll is number three, attack number three. He does nothing but target this man's peen. He has a thing for pee-pees, obviously. <laughs> what did Jaden's pee-pee ever do to him? What is going on? Offend him. <laughs> Angry men aim for the peen. Eddie Gluskin approves. <laughs> As the fight continues, Jaden is able to come out on top, and now he has Jack at gunpoint. He demands to tell him who the owner of the car is, to which Jack responds, Go f*** yourself in the ass! Jaden has to get a little crazy. I don't know how much it fits his personality, but he eventually scares Jack into talking. And he reveals that the owner asked him to disguise the car and tell Paco at the Blue Lagoon when it was ready. So we've heard Paco and the Blue Lagoon already with Madison and Colin Mockery Doctor. Do you think the size 10 footprints could be Paco's? Might be, but it also might be a random one. Like, we haven't ruled it out that it's just another innocent customer picking their car up, mm -hmm. thinking this is a legitimate business. <laughs> Little did they know their peen was in danger <laughs> as soon as they crossed the <laughs> threshold. <laughs> That's who ended up in the acid bath. Jaden starts to read Jack his rights when he is attacked by a very poorly timed case of the shakes. He takes the trip, though. There was no choice there and is able to recover. I guess I could have just ignored the prompts to take it, but I figured there's nothing worse than passing out in front of this guy. <laughs> nothing. You'd end up in the acid bath. Yeah. Minus a peen. Okay, so now we're back to Scott and Lauren. They make a couple discoveries. They're at his apartment office, and they're discussing who the killer may be. Scott suspects Kramer may be involved, and even thinks that one of his goons could have killed Manfred. Lauren then takes a shower, because apparently every video game needs to have showers. Scott makes her some eggs. There's a surprising amount of content to discuss surrounding the eggs. Let's start at the fridge. Who just has loose eggs in their fridge? Not to mention... An unwrapped hamburger just sitting on the rack. And the fact that it's not even about loose eggs. It's that he probably only bought two or three of them because he doesn't even have a carton of eggs. It's not there's not twelve eggs there. There's only two eggs there. And just loose eggs. Both eggs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's nothing holding them. Uh they, yeah. you can open the fridge door and they could just fall out. <laughs> Second, these eggs are huge, are they not? They're probably Ostrich eggs. <laughs> oh, God. They're enormous. Third, no milk in the eggs, no butter, no seasoning of any kind. Lastly, I guess I did not cook them long enough because Lauren's reaction is just passive-aggressive gold. I don't really like raw eggs. Maybe I should have told you. One would think that Shelby likes to eat raw eggs or loves toying with the possibility of getting food poisoning in salmonella. Uh, yeah. These eggs look like Ethan's vomit, if we're going to be honest. Oh, that's good. 
Lauren quickly abandons the eggs when she has an idea to cross-reference the list of typewriter customers from Manfred with a list that Scott has of subscribers to an origami magazine. Also, why is her robe <laughs> so open? I cannot understand. Why isn't she tightening it? And we discussed it as we were watching this game. And I get that she, maybe she's more comfortable just because of the nature of her work. But also, Shelby looks so <laughs> uncomfortable when not even look at her in the eye. He does seem really uncomfortable. I get that her clothes were wet. But there is a way to close that a little bit more. And she stays in it the whole night. This search takes them a long time. But they do eventually find a name. John Shepard. But it turns out that he's been dead since he was 10 years old. They go to the graveyard to find his grave, though. And as you suspected... There was an origami figure on the gravestone. I know it. <laughs> when he died, he was only 10 years old, yet he has a subscription going on. So how does that make sense? Yeah, something's Which definitely we'll going on. we more about it. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. We do get some information from the groundskeeper, who says that he knew the boy and says, It was 77, October, I think. And we cut to 77, as two boys who have a sucky father play in a nearby construction site until John gets stuck in a pipe? Causeway? Something with rushing water. And the brother is unable to find help, and John drowns. The groundskeeper then reveals that the brother was adopted, and Lauren thinks that he could be the killer. Do you agree with her? I think so. I also, at this point, I had a theory. So what if that young man was... Ethan and John was his brother and he died and he named his first son Jason. J names maybe in a way to pay his respects to his brother that he could never see. And then Jason's death probably brought up some trauma of remembering his brother or what if this, it's totally based off of imagination that there was no Jason and Jason was just John, and that Ethan's been hallucinating a whole bunch of stuff. So similar to the coma theory. Yes. So this is all assuming that that young boy, John's brother, is Ethan. So then are, are you thinking Ethan's the killer? I can see why, but I'm not convinced at this point. And didn't we hear that Ethan has issues with drowning, like he keeps seeing someone drown or something? Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that's related, again, assuming that Ethan is John's brother. It would make sense for him to always see Nightmare because he couldn't help his brother. Certainly some connections. Lauren and Scott are leaving the cemetery when they spot Charles Kramer, Gordy's father, placing flowers on John's grave. What's up with that? New theory is that maybe Charles Kramer is the father of both John and that boy, and which means that that boy is Scordy. And the theory is that he just feels bad. He's just visiting his son, still remembers him. But I have another theory, <laughs> which is that Charles Kramer is the owner of that construction company and that construction site. And he feels bad that a child died on his site. And that's why he's just paying his respect. Yeah, I like them both. 
I feel like, though, if he was the father, that's a big swing from, like, drunk mm-hmm. trailer trash, not to be offensive, but to uh, <laughs> this person, businessman, mm-hmm. business tycoon. That's all my theories at this point. All right. Move on to scene five. We got anything else for me? Nope. This is gonna, uh, we're gonna have a lot to discuss here. <laughs> I feel like we're about to go derail because. Oh, we are. All the stuff. Madison. We're back to Madison. She's at the Blue Lagoon to find Paco. He is in the VIP section, and she soon learns that she'll have to get his horny attention to be able to talk to him. And she notices the type that he's into, and so she decides that she needs to go to the bathroom to achieve a kind of dumb sexy, as she puts it. So we put more makeup on, we unbutton a button, standard stuff, tousle the hair, but then we, we, we rip, we rip the, the skirt? Dude, skirts don't tear like that. Stop. With a straight edge. And then there'd be like threads dangling. It would be better to like fold it over. I was just about to say, why don't you just pull up her skirt over and just tuck her, her, her shirt right. in? We were rolling our eyes so hard in the scene and covering our faces. The, the fact that I looked at you and we we both have the same reaction. It's just cringy. It's cringy. But she succeeds in getting his attention and the split screen of her dancing and then his face. It's disgusting. The, t- the tongue falling. So gross. <laughs> she gets invited over to the VIP section to talk to him and rather easily convinces him to go somewhere private. And that was her first mistake. And I guess her plan is to hold him at gunpoint and question him, but it does not go as she has planned. I imagine uh, that's because she was thrown off upon entering the room and seeing the coffee table that spells out hard. But also, the entire room is zebra print themed. <laughs> He's wearing a zebra print blazer with no shirt underneath, and he goes like, oh, I'm hot under my collar. And I'm like, what collar? And he has no shirt underneath <laughs> that. His light is also a zebra print cover mm-hmm. and his fishes in the aquarium i don't know what kind of fishes they are but they look like they have super prints on them so considering the man looks like a beaver that <laughs> he has it's a face full on beaver. beaver ironic that he has so many zebra stuff i don't even know what to say about the soundtrack that he turns on oh my gosh so unnecessary it made me uncomfortable <laughs> oh more than uncomfortable the face I was making the entire time is just, you were laughing at it. <laughs> because I knew it kept getting worse, and I was just watching your expression change as the scene went on. I'm just, I'm speechless, and I'm experiencing so much female cringe on behalf of the female population. Anyway, <laughs> she's now the one being held at gunpoint, but she's able to get out of a forced striptease by distracting him with her butt. While simultaneously grabbing the zebra lamp on the hard table and quacking him over the head with it. Okay, at this point, the game may as well have credited Madison's butt as its own character. It's integral to the story at this point. So many close-ups. So anyway, that happened. And now she's got him duct-taped to a chair. And now she has him at gunpoint. And this is the, the fourth attack on the manhood's. She grabs his balls (laughs) aggressively. (laughs) There's no other way to put it. 
And it's in the ball of ice that she gets him to admit that the Marble Street apartment was sold to John Shepard. During this, a guard comes to the door to figure out what's going on in there. And so she fakes some noises. And he lingers just a little bit too long. <laughs> With a smile on his face. Yep. A creepy smile, I should add. <laughs> and Paco's face. Paco's face when she's doing it. He looks like one of the fish. No. Even the fish are yeah. uncomfortable with this whole situation. Yeah. I'm just cringing a lot. Now. Oh, yeah. As we discussed, you were like, at least she put her clothes back on. And mm-hmm. I had to point out, she still left that extra button unbuttoned. What's that about, Madison? Put those away. I, I do have to question the, the game designers and stuff. Like, they must have had to sit around <laughs> in a room and just discuss, like, yeah, let's make this guy wear a zebra print blazer. And then, like, yeah, let's make her strip. And, yeah, let's choose this kind of soundtrack music. And let's make the fishes like that. Okay, first of all, I do find some of it funny. Like, Paco's disgusting. It's hilarious. The hard oh, yeah. table, hilarious, okay? <laughs> it's funny. But I do feel like they... And I understand needing to have, like, a sex appeal in a game, a movie, a TV show. That's fine. Whatever. But I feel like they try to justify it by making her, oh, I'm going to use it to get what I want. And it kind of goes back to the shower scene is that <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to even talk. I think you know how, how I feel about that. It wouldn't be as much of a problem for me if she, up to this point, if her character wasn't so useless. I think that's what's bothering me. You, you, I think you really nailed it on the head is that. She's not working with Ethan. Mm-hmm. She's just on her own doing this when Ethan pretty much told her to butt out of it. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> they try to make her like a hero and justify it by all her actions and everything when it kind of doesn't justify it. No. Okay. So new theory at this point. The zebra guy, <laughs> Paco, talk about, <laughs> talk about the name and he name drops John Shepard. Maybe... John Shepard's alive. He somehow got himself out of the situation, but he's mad that his brother left him to die and to drown. And that's the new method he's going to do to be killing boys around his age and their age. So maybe John is alive. All right. So just as Madison is leaving the Blue Lagoon, Norman arrives and he's also looking for Paco. He makes his way to Paco's office. And as he is walking towards it, we see another POV of someone else arriving at Paco's office. From context, it sounds like it could be John Shepard. And then Paco tells him about his ordeal with Madison and says that whatever he's been doing at the apartment is starting to draw attention. And then the visitor shoots Paco. Not long after that, Jaden arrives at the office and the killer jumps him and they break the fish tank. The fish have been through it today. (laughs) The first have to witness the uncomfortable striptease ball torture that occurred, then a murder, and now they're dead. So this has not been a good day for the fish. And, <laughs> you know... And everything the fish has witnessed before right? today, that day, these poor fishes, they've done nothing wrong, yet they're yeah, dying. The killer does manage to stun Jaden long enough to get away. The window to save Sean is getting more and more narrow. And we continue to see Norman's impatience grow. He grabs a guard by the throat 
to get him to reveal that the killer was named John and that Paco was familiar with him. What do you think of Jaden getting aggressive like this? I'm not surprised. I think his aggressiveness might be a result of crypto or just getting his balls beaten today. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe he's just mad about being punched in the wang twice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it's interesting. It could it could be a side effect because up until now, he's been pretty level-headed and he's been pretty good at getting under Blake's collar just with his words. But he does return to Paco's office to investigate. And the main things we find are Madison's prints, which reveal that she is a journalist. And that explains a lot. I'm guessing you have a reaction to that. It makes sense why she's so curious and everything. But didn't she say that she was like a magazine worker or something? Yeah. What was that she told? She told Ethan she's a furniture photographer. Oh, that's what it was. So she's lying to him. I don't know if you think there's any significance to that. That's why she's helping him. That's why she's staying at the same hotel. Because she's been snooping around. Because she's probably trying to break some big story about this this entire origami killer. The origami killer. <laughs> we also see for the first time where our characters cross paths. Mm-hmm. Where as Jaden's walking in, Madison's walking out. And that's the first time we actually see that kind of connect in the same area. Mm-hmm. Same place, same time. Yeah, do you think the fact that they're getting closer together on the same timelines is an indication that they're all getting close to the killer? I think so. I think it just means that time's running out. And again, Ari fails to warn (laughs) Jaden about the attack. You would think the FBI does a better job training their agents with hand-in-hand combat. Yeah, or at least look behind a door when you open it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, seriously. Jaden also finds orchid pheromones, 45 caliber bullet, and then a coat pocket that Jaden tore off of the killer's coat, and inside it are two gas station receipts from the same station. Well, the orchid pheromones, we know that in this room, it can only be three different people who are wearing it. Either Madison, Jaden, or Paco, or the killer. Four people, actually. And it seems to be following him... Everywhere. So if we think about it, Paco probably was the one wearing it and then he went to the garage and that's where the pheromone stayed. Or it's the killer who was both at the garage and at this place killing Paco mm-hmm. and that's why the orchid pheromones are staying. What if that's John's dad and he just regrets not being there for his son? Or maybe he's decided to take up John's name as a way to pay his respect as he starts seeking vengeance and killing everyone who either looks at him or <laughs> when his, his the mood strikes that he wants to kill a child. All you gotta do is look at him and he's gonna kill you? <laughs> Lay it on me, how'd I do? QTE. So as a reminder, part one, 95.95, so we'll give you it to you as like a 96%. Part two, 89.7. Part three, Part 4, it dipped down to 84.21. Horrible trend. Part 5 today, drumroll. I feel like I redeemed myself. 94.4. Yes. It is your second highest percentage. Glad to see that the trend is broken, although there's only one more Mm -hmm. um, option, one more gameplay part left to really get that average up. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to send in any questions, comments, or game suggestions. You can find all our contact info on our website, replayreviewspod.com, or contact us directly through our site. 
Did we completely miss something? Are we way off the mark? Or do you just want us to take a deeper look at anything from the game? We'll tackle any topics you all want to hear in our season wrap-up episode. We also have a Reddit where we discuss anything we're curious about. Go take a look and let us know what you're thinking. Our theme music is Condemned by Eggy Toast. They'll play you out and we'll be back next week.